We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three. We're reacting to week eight of NFL action on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz, ready to get into some week eight action. Lot of big news this week. A lot of big news coming out. Curtis, how are you feeling? It's like it's just crazy the pace at which this league is changing. Um, young players breaking out. Absolute bona fide, like historically great studs uh, being lost for the season. Um, I can't remember so many elite players just like not being part of the picture. I mean, we already were dealing with Christian McCaffrey and, and Russell Wilson. And, you know, we had a couple other big names get added to the mix um, over the weekend. And then also, yeah, some really, really exciting um, play, name brand players breaking out. And then also just some players breaking out from relative anonymity. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's uh yeah, it, it was, it was a fun weekend. Um, and I, th- I think if anything, and Sean hit this on the site and uh, in his article um, today, I think a lot of fantasy, a lot of fantasy teams, maybe that thought they were left for dead are now, uh, now they get a second lease on life. So, it, you know, if you, if you're on the, <sighs> If you're on the affected end of some of the the player losses from this weekend, I I feel for you, but you're kind of also just joining the rest of the crowd who's already been dealing (laughs) with all of this stuff. And, and, you know, if, if you're somebody who is saying, Hey, I got a shot at this thing again, you know, we're here to help you break that down today. Yes, absolutely. Wild stuff. It is going to be extremely interesting now as we see the, the handful of players that are going to emerge from this point on out as substantial difference makers. But let's just start off, as we always do, with the player of the week, Curtis. Couple of players in the running. I'm wondering if Jets quarterback Mark White might get mentioned. A name I was not expecting to say on this podcast. Or Mike White. Excuse me, not Mark White. I was thinking Mark Sanchez. Mike White. Uh, Was not expecting to mention his name anytime soon. Who do you have this week? Well, I mean... 
you, you just casually just throw out the name that that I wanted to uh, to highlight there as the player of the week. Um, so you're stealing my thunder there a little bit. But yeah, man, Mike White, 26 year old, making his first start ever, joins Cam Newton as just the second player in NFL history to throw for 400 yards in his first career start. Um, Vin- Vinny Testaverde, I think, was the only <laughs> other New York Jets quarterback back in 2000, uh, probably about 42 years old at the time. I mean, this is really this is really cool stuff. I mean, you know, people obviously assume that Zach Wilson would be the young quarterback making waves uh, in Jets green this season. But, I mean, Coach Robert... Uh, uh, Salah didn't even like, he didn't even hesitate. Like white's getting another start on Thursday night. And, you know, I, I think he, he was obviously just kind of riffing after the game, but people were even asking like, Hey, does white have a chance to hold down the job in the long run? And he was like, Hey, anything's possible. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting, man. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about the jets. Uh, when I get to the chance to highlight my three AFC teams, uh, who was your snoozer? of the week, Dave. Well, this one hurts a little bit for me because this was a player that I wrote about in my wide receiver uh, cornerback matchup article. And I have a feeling that there's going to be some people out there not very happy with me after his performance. And that was Mr. Mm. Khalif Raymond of the Detroit Lions, who I thought might be able to put put together a day against a very, very difficult Eagles defense. But it looked like if there was a player in line for a decent game against them from Detroit, it was Raymond. He saw one target and did not convert it. And the rest of his stat line is zeros or NAs. Amon Ross St. Brown went three for five with 60, or excuse me, 46 yards. So he would have been the recommendation. I apologize to anybody. I will have you know, I had Raymond going on about four or five teams this week. So I was sharing in your pain. He is the snoozer of the week. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people can get that mad. <laughs> I mean, listen, listen, you're not going to get all of those right. And you were you were definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel, trying to help people, you know, on, you know, it wasn't like week seven level buys. I mean, we only had a handful of buys. But look, if you're at this point in the season and you need a player, you know, it's, it's a process based thing. And I, I think you made uh, you made solid arguments for Raymond. Um, but probably the takeaway is to just not speculate on Detroit lions outside of Hawkinson and Swift. (laughs) That's probably right. (laughs) All right, let's hit some game notes. I want to start with the new Orleans saints for obvious reasons, unless you are not aware, it is looking like Jameis Winston is going to be out for an extended period of time. If not the rest of the season, I actually don't know the final verdict on that. Either way, it's particularly interesting because pretty soon we could have Michael Thomas coming back into the fold. As a quick reminder, if you look at the stats for Michael Thomas, and I split it this way, I didn't look at just games that Taysom Hill played. I looked at games where Taysom Hill either had fewer than five passing attempts or more than five. In games where Taysom Hill was not really throwing their 16 in that split, 20.11 fantasy points per game for Mr. Michael Thomas. However, when Taysom Hill was in and actively playing, uh, we saw 19.53 points in that split for Thomas. I also did a little cross-referencing to make sure that in those games, we were actually seeing a fair amount of targets. Just wanted to split out this way a little bit differently because things get a little squirrely with uh, Hill's splits. 
Uh, yards in those games, 95 versus 92. Targets, uh, 10.5 versus 10.3. So relatively flat, Curtis, which might surprise some people. Um, the other receivers in their games this season, you have just 33 targets for Marcus Callaway, 23 for Deontay Harris, 13 for Juwan Johnson, Adam Troutman, 19. Uh, Kenny Stills in four games was at 12. You've had a lot of players involved. Just two games for Traquan Smith at six targets. The offense has been all over the place. One has to think that if Michael Thomas does return this year, we get him healthy and get him in games. A large portion of that offense has to funnel to him regardless of who's playing at quarterback. Oh, for sure. And yeah, just to, just to confirm, uh, Jameis is done for the year, you know, um, it's it's interesting you know he he's really a i mean it might be a little bit of a stretch to say he's become a game manager but he's definitely way more of a game manager this season than he'd ever been previously in his career and the saints were actually having a solid season um so you know you like to see him kind of putting it all together unfortunate for him um seems to be beloved by you know the rest of the players in the locker room there um you know but i agree it's an interesting uh opportunity for Taysom hill still a little bit unclear if he's going to be able to get the nod um you know next week he still has not been cleared i think from the concussion right. a few weeks ago um trevor simeon um you know clearly was able to propel the offense um you know in in substitution for winston last week you know i think he would obviously get the start if Hill can't go but i mean it seems so up in the air all summer, whether Hill or Winston would be the starter and Peyton held that so close to the vest. You have to believe that Hill is going to get that opportunity. Um, I do think that, that Thomas um, will come in and, you know, be an alpha target hog right away. The, the, the one concerning thing um, with a transition to Hill versus Simeon, you know, might be uh, for Alvin Kamara owners. And so, you know, Alvin Kamara managers have still been getting by um, because of touchdowns, mostly in the receiving game this year, just two rushing touchdowns for Kamara um, this season and only um, one game over 100 rushing yards, but he has four receiving touchdowns uh, through seven saints games and um, save kind of a weird game against the giants where <laughs> he rushed 26 times and had zero targets in a loss. Uh, really weird game uh, for New Orleans. Uh, but in all other games, he has at least three receptions this year. Um, and in uh, three instances, at least uh, four or more receptions, and, you know, the icing on the cake being that Seattle game where he had 10. Um, Kamara not targeted by Hill nearly as much. I did a lot of game splits activity on that uh, this offseason and trying to determine if Kamara was going to be a big exposure for me because I really thought Taysom was going to win the job. Um, so the Saints already a really interesting squad this season um, seem to have Tampa's number. And I don't think that you can rule them out uh, for winning that division, even though we might have a quarterback change mid-year. Uh, love that you highlighted this team. And there may not be a more interesting team to follow over the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of interesting things to play there. What do you have for us uh, over in the AFC? Well, we talked about Mike White. I am going to get to the Jets, um, but not with my first team that I want to highlight. I'm going to highlight a team that's coming off the bye because I think this is where we can get actionable, maybe with some some waiver wire or some low-key trade target activity. Las Vegas the Las Vegas Raiders. So they're coming off a of bye week. You know, they had the coaching change, all the Gruden drama went down, you know, missing Darren Waller for a couple of weeks. 
Um, a little bit of a weird shift in the backfield in terms of usage. Hunter Renfro out there, you know, putting up low key production. Henry Ruggs with a couple boom games as expected. Just a, you know, I don't think they they haven't disappointed, but they also haven't really broken out. Yep. But man, I was looking at the strength schedule streaming app, Dave, for rest of season. It's across the board, man. It is across the board. Okay, weeks nine through seventeen. Number one quarterback fantasy strength of schedule remaining Las Vegas wide receivers. Number one remaining strength of schedule for fantasy purposes, Las Vegas tight end. And you get Waller back coming to Las Vegas, third best remaining schedule and, and ahead of them is Houston and Arizona, which I mean, I guess Zach Ertz gives Arizona a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of run there or, or intrigue at tight end. But for all intents and purposes, I mean, Waller could be the fantasy tight end one over the, the back half of the year. You could actually see rugs really put it together and, and bust out along with Renfro con, you know, continuing to be a weekly wide receiver three and Derek Carr sneaky QB one over the back half of the season. Um, we, we know he can do it. I mean, he's had some huge games this season, um, but it's just been a little bit of a, a rocky deal, but man, he's going to have shootouts coming up with Kansas city in week 10, Cincinnati in week 11 um, gets Kansas city again in week 14. So both of those games are remaining and he seems to, to really put it together in those high flying contests. And he gets like dream matchups against Washington and Cleveland. They get Dallas in week 12. That could be a shootout. It's going to be an interesting offense to go after. So I think a lot of like, you know, just single QB leagues, Carr probably got kicked to the curb in order to pick up players to um, to stream to get through um, the bye weeks. So Carr's a priority quarterback target for me. Uh, if you've been streaming and you don't own one of the the true elites, um, Renfro in a shallower league could still be out there. Rugs could have got dropped um, in a shallower league, and then Waller might be a player if if somebody um, has a couple tight ends. You know, sometimes you get in those leagues where. You know, maybe maybe somebody drafted Waller and Dalton Schultz and, you know, they feel like they've got a little yep. something and they're, they're willing to move Waller, you know, for strength at another uh, position. I mean, maybe maybe Darren Waller manager also had Derrick Henry and is yep. looking for some running back help, yep. you know. So you got to start looking at your league and, and putting all that together. But, yeah, I, I want some Raiders exposure in my redraft leagues. And, I, and I'm glad that I have plenty of it in my best ball. Uh, you know, I didn't mention the running backs and, and that's really, you know, by design, the, the strength, the schedule is not quite there and the splits are just really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know that either Jacobs or Drake will be super dependable week to week, but give me all the passing game exposure over the second half. Dave, anything to add there? Nothing other than just that we have seen this process work before when you see a team across its passing attack having such a favorable schedule down the stretch and with some players that, like you said, in car, we've already seen some big spots and a couple of guys that could break out as well. So exciting stuff there for anybody that either has a chance to get into the Raiders offense or already has some of those players. So we're going to transition back over now to the NFC and talk about a team that is very hard to know what to make of now. And that is the Atlanta Falcons without Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley stepping away from the game for a while. Not exactly sure how long that absence is going to be, but it does seem like it could be an extended period of time. So if you look at the stats this year for the Falcons, 
Ridley at a 19.4% target share with 52 targets on five games. Kyle Pitts, 50 targets, 18.7 target share across seven games. Behind them, you have the next most targeted player, Hayden Hurst Curtis, in seven games. Target share just 8.2% on 22 targets. Tajay Sharp has started to get involved. He has 18 targets on the season. 12 of the or 13 of those targets came in the team's last three games. Uh, Russell Gage has not been available all season, so he has just 15 targets on the year. Where I'm going with this, also Olamide Zacchaeus, 19 targets on the year. But what I'm building up to here is now you have a team that had what should have been, by and large, its best receiver, its most targeted receiver, now no longer with the team, an odd cast of characters behind them or behind him. Last year, we saw Russell Gage look good in spots. Overall, I don't think that this passing attack has looked as great as maybe uh, people that invest in it would have hoped. How does this team fill this void? I think that we continue to see Kyle Pitts remain heavily involved. I think some of those targets go to Tajay Sharp and Hayden Hurst. And then you also have Russell Gage seeing some of that pie. But I guess the question we need to ask ourselves now is do any of these players become ones that we need to be aggressively going after or as aggressively as you could for what's going to be like a fringe wide receiver three wide receiver four, if that makes sense. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
Yeah. I mean, I think um, you highlighted some good names there. There's waiver wire intrigue, but no, I mean, none of the players rise to the level of, Hey, give 20% of the remainder of your stack. Yep. Um, I, I don't see any, anything like that. Now, if you wanted, if you were going to go aggressive after one player, uh, or really two players, um, I, I would say go, go for broke on, um, Cordero Patterson or Kyle Pitts. Just, I, I mean, I would expect, I mean, no one that's coming into the offense at this point is, is going to take the high value touches from those guys. Um, I, I would expect even more of the, well, you could actually see fewer overall high value touches as a function of the offense to continue, you know, struggling, but you know, it's not like they had been overly dependent on, on Ridley to this point anyway. Yeah. I mean, they've been playing without him, you know, several times. So um, I think that you can kind of pencil in what we've been seeing for Patterson and Pitts rest of season. Um, if I was going to, you know, place bets on anybody, I mean, I guess just because, you know, he's, he's shown the chemistry with Ryan um, in, in a big way within the last calendar year, uh, or rolling 12 months rather, it would probably be Russell Gage. Um, but it, it doesn't really feel good to like, I, I don't want to go to like a, uh, uh, Khalif Raymond level, um, stick right, right. On, on any of these, on any of these guys. So, you know, I will say, you know, just maybe as a pivot, um, somebody who's on the trash heap that if, if you find yourself as a Ridley manager and you're like, man, what am I going to do? Um, a player that could have very well been kicked to the curb in your league. And Sean highlights him in his article um, this week is Brandon. Ayuk. Brandon. Ayuk saw seven mm-hmm. targets um, just 47 yards in a two point conversion, but um, maybe on the way back um, to some relevance there, I would much rather um, I would much rather give a, you know, material portion of my remaining fab or my, you know, spend my waiver priority on a player like that, who I think has real upside um, then, you know, maybe what, like the tertiary piece in the, in the Falcons offense. Yeah. I think that that's really the larger takeaway here. There's not much of a compelling reason to go after these lower hanging pieces in this offense. Uh, Patterson and Pitts should continue to remain the guys that are going to be fantasy relevant. So that takes us through the Falcons. Why don't we pop back over to the AFC for a minute? Okay, we've got to talk Tennessee. <laughs> and man, it's like sad trombone. I I'm such a Derrick Henry fan. Like I don't I don't have a lot of Derrick Henry in fantasy, but I think when I when I recall, you know, 2019 through 2022 someday and I'm just thinking about, okay, it's going to be like Brady's end of career um heroics. And the, the other player that I might think about honestly would be Derrick Henry. He's just so dominant. There, there's so few people in the league that just draw your eye in and you just feel like anything could happen every time he touches the ball. So like just as a pure NFL fan, I'm just really saddened that we're going to, we're going to miss, you know, half of a season or more uh, for Henry. And, you know, he's a bigger, obviously a big player and he, he's on, you know, the, the downside of the, you know, running back age curve at this point. Now he's a superhuman, super freak. So, you know, if, if anybody's going to be able to continue doing something, you know, into his, you know, age 30 season or early thirties, you know, Henry would be a guy to place a bet like that on. But I just feel like we're missing out on an all time great player in the middle of his pure prime. And I just hate it, man. I just really hate it. So, um, 
Yeah. It has nothing to do with fantasy, <laughs> just out, out of a football uh, perspective, but we got to figure out, you know, is this Titans offense, you know, this Titans team all of a sudden in the mix for the, the number one seed in the AFC. I mean, this is a team that has real goals this season um, and their offense is going to have to change. Um, we talked about this this summer, Dave, yep. alternate universe. What would happen? We, we did almost a whole show on Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, AJ Brown. What just, what would it look like if Derrick Henry went down? We're going to find out. Um, and we're going to find out what happens at the running back position. Now, Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols will get the first crack. The team signed Adrian Peterson and is putting him on the active roster. I don't know if you saw did, that yet yeah. um, t- today, Dave, but what's really interesting. I'm in our Monday review tool here. You, you may not have, well, I guarantee you would not have guessed this because McNichols only has seven rushing attempts this season. But did you know that in the AFC, he has the fifth most receiving yards of any running back? <laughs> That's really, Jeremy, really wild. Yeah, he has 21. So he has 21 receptions for 203 receiving yards in a part-time gig. So, you know, if you, if you were to see the Titans, you know, morph their offense just a little bit. Um, and for him to, if his strengths are more as a receiver than as, than as a, a runner, you know, maybe even if Peterson comes in and gets the first and second down, you know, the early down work more of it. And even if he got the goal line work, McNichols just getting an expanded look as a receiver, maybe he gets all of the four minute drill stuff and all the two minute drill stuff, um, and all the trailing game scripts stuff, uh, you know, you could be looking at a guy that could put up miles Gaskin esque production or something like that. So I, I think Jeremy McNichols definitely would be one of those priority waiver wire targets. Uh, for me, um, I'm not as concerned about going out and getting Adrian Peterson. I think, you know, if McNichols is already rostered in your league, you can put in a price enforcement bid on, uh, on Adrian Peterson, you know, maybe for something like five to 10% of your remaining fab. And you can just see, I mean, at this point, out of curiosity, you know, you could just see, um, what, what he's got, but McNichols is the, the, the intriguing name there. And then who knows? I mean, the Titans could make bigger moves. I think if they were going to try to make a deal though, like go after a Melvin Gordon or something like that, like, why do you really go out and, and sign Adrian Peterson? Um, so yeah, any, any thoughts on McNichols there? So any interest? Yeah, it's um, interesting to see him get a shot now because Darrington Evans, who could have been in line, is back to IR, is going to be out the rest of the year. Huge bummer because I think he was an exciting player that was already entrenched there um, in a lot of people's minds in Tennessee is a player that could be an option if given an opportunity. McNichols, those are some crazy stats. He's a guy I'd actually had my eye on (laughs) now for a couple of weeks and have him on some teams. Uh, So it should be interesting to see what he's doing. But as we think about him or Adrian Peterson getting involved, it's really important to recognize, especially at the running back position, there are a handful of players that do things that other players cannot, that allow them to transcend their offense and make a substantial impact. Derrick Henry is certainly one of those cases. So we're not looking at something here where you could approximate really any other player maybe hold for like four or five in the league coming in this offense and being able to do some of the things that he does. So even if this team went out and signed another player, there are very, very few that I could get this level of excited about. Now, I know a natural comp for Derrick Henry is A.J. Dillon, which would be really interesting to see what would happen <laughs> if Tennessee made a play yeah. for him. I imagine his... There's his, no chance. There's no chance. I can only imagine, though, no how aggressively people would be going after yeah. him. 
So outside of those guys, I would like to see AJ Brown get a couple carries a game as a runner, see what he can do uh, more just because that would be fun. But yeah, huge, huge bummer all around here. Yeah, um, I think the other the other spinoff would be, again, on the passing offense for Tennessee. So will they actually will they are they willing to transition and then, you know, um, pass to set up the run? Um, and, and instead of, instead of, you know, doing, you know, what their bread and are they going to force their bread and butter? Um, or are they going to adapt? Um, cause the NFL is all about adapting and they're in wh- whether they have Henry or not. I mean, they're in a super bowl window. They're in a super bowl window. Absolutely. You got, you have a year where Patrick Mahomes is down. Um, so you have to make this season count. I mean, if, if I'm Titans brass, I'm doing whatever I can to still figure it out. Um, so even though he's been disappointing, um, maybe as expected for a player of his age, you, I think you also have to, you know, speculate on Julio Jones. Um, if you can get him, um, you know, as a throw in, if you can get him onto your roster, I mean, the, the team is going to have to find other ways. Um, AJ Brown's going to be untouchable after what he's done the last couple of weeks. There's no way his manager is going to move him. Um, but you know, Julio Jones, I'm sure, you know, can be had. And if he, if he can stay healthy, there's no reason he shouldn't start seeing eight to 10 targets per game. Yeah, I, I completely agree there. So the final NFC team I wanted to highlight, we're just going to talk about quickly here as I don't think there is a lot to report here other than the fact that uh, Seattle is just at this point in the Geno Smith version of this team going all through DK Metcalf <laughs> and Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Last three weeks, uh, 18 targets for DK Metcalf, 14 receptions, three touchdowns. Tyler Lockett, no touchdowns, but has a target share of 32%. 23 targets behind them. You actually have Freddie Swain with nine, Gerald Everett with eight. In the running backs, Curtis, Alex Collins, 46 rushing attempts. Next player behind him, Rashad Penny, just 13 on two games. Uh, but even for Collins, it's translated into just 180 yards and one touchdown. The takeaway here is hopefully people got in on Tyler Lockett, as we would have recommended, or DK Metcalf. because mm. It does not look like there's much else going on in the Seattle offense. I am so, so thankful that we saw Tyler Lockett have a day. I mean, he's so good that even Geno Smith could get production with him, but I was really questioning it before this <laughs> week. Uh, so it was great to see him erupt. Obviously, you and I, you know, huge Lockett fans. Uh, he, he, along with Cooper Cup, one of those, you know, top three or four guys, um, you know, in our best ball exposure over the summer. So love to see that. You know, you mentioning Seattle did give me, um, and, and I don't know if, if Tennessee would do this, but could we, could we get Rashad Penny to Tennessee? <laughs> could we just get, could we get him over there, man? He, he finally is, he's getting a crack, but I mean, when everyone knows that Gino's back there, I mean, yep. you know, the, the, the line's not helping anything. And I mean, Penny so far doesn't look like he's you know going to get anything that's not blocked. So maybe if we got him in a different situation, um, yeah, he, he is a bruiser. He's a big bruiser. Um, so let's, let's see what he can do in Tennessee, Dave, <laughs> either him or let's give Kristen Michael one <laughs> last crack at things. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go back to the AFC for my final team. Um, and this, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, we talked about the quarterback, but we got to talk about the running backs in New York. Um, yes. exciting stuff. Uh, Michael Carter, all all of a sudden looking like a real um, difference maker, kind of doing a, a Clyde Edwards-Elair impression uh, for the Jets. Not really looking like 
a difference making uh running back, you know, he's under four yards of carry, um, but he's adding enough in the receiving game, you know, to really be intriguing. He's got 26 uh, receptions for uh, just under 230 receiving yards uh year to date. But when we just look at, when we just look at week eight, would you believe that he was the RB one in PPR in the AFC this week, Dave? Um, just incredible stuff uh, actually showed some efficiency in the running game. I mean, Cincinnati um, has given up some games to some running backs, so that really should not be a surprise, but 15 carries, 77 yards and a rushing touchdown, but perhaps more impressive and more important moving forward for dynasty purposes and over the second half of the season, especially uh, if we don't see, you know, a change back to Wilson at quarterback, nine receptions on 14 targets, for 95 yards. That's a truly McCaffrey-esque, Camara-esque receiving line for Carter uh, for a Jets offense that it has to pass the ball um, to stay in game. So Carter, a huge, huge opportunity for him um, to really vault up the dynasty value boards. Um, he's probably rostered in your redraft leagues, but I think you have to, I mean, maybe in you know, a, a start nine, including a kicker and defense type format, ESPN traditional format or Yahoo something like that uh, could be out there. Um, just give it all 100% of remaining fab. If he's out there uh, 100% of remaining fab, and then you can cobble the rest of your lineup together. It's truly a difference making opportunity. And then honorable mention um, Ty Johnson, also lots of receiving production um, this past week. Uh, you know, I think, in the, without the touchdown, it's it's a little bit of a funky line, you know, just four carries, for 15 rushing yards. But then he has a 571, uh, 571 and one touchdown uh, receiving line. I don't think that's necessarily as repeatable considering um, <clears throat> what percentage of backfield uh, touch share that that Carter had. So he's really the, the gem um, there. And for somebody like me, I was pretty split on Carter versus like a Trey Sermon um, in, in the, the preseason evaluations. And I just couldn't really have been more wrong. I should have bet on Carter's, uh, multi-season dominance. Um, even though it's for the ACC and even though it's, uh, for North Carolina, um, just had a, a more impressive profile overall with fewer holes in it. And I wish I could go back and, and, and put that one back in the bag and keep Carter above Sermon in, in my preseason dynasty ranks, Dave. Yeah. Well, it's certainly, Interesting to try and dissect what has gone on with Trey Sermon and what his value should look like in Dynasty. But yeah, we're really seeing a dramatic shift. And if things continue here for Carter, uh, these two are going to be in very different places than where they started. And it's exciting, though, because very rarely do we get to hear the recommendation of go all in on a player, 